You're listening to the TLC Football Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tyler, Landon, and Caleb. Welcome back to the TLCFP. Uh, my name is Tyler. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Suavage underscore. I am Caleb Derlin. You can find me on Twitter at cderlin 53 no Lando this week, but if you want, you can follow him at land, uh, Fields underscore Lando. Um, he's got some things going on this week, but we do have some things to cover as the Kansas City Chiefs move into the fourth in a row AFC championship in Arrowhead. Yep. Caleb, what do you Four think? Four in about? a row. Four in a row in Arrowhead. Uh, I've been to the last three. Um obviously only one of them have gone not in our favor and that was that was super crushing uh i will be able to make it to the fourth one uh could not get to the bills game i am currently down with some covid so i couldn't make it to the bills game uh we will hate covid for the rest of my life for not letting me get to that (laughs) game um also i offered my ticket for like 70 bucks to both of these boys and they both turned it down so that is true (laughs) <laughs> we had some things going on yeah, couldn't yeah, make yeah. it either but uh no i mean no, what that's, a, a game. that's a life that is a once in a lifetime game opportunity that all three mm-hmm. of us <clears throat> excuse me missed a chance to to watch live didn't recap it yet but the chiefs win in overtime 42 to 36 i think i was the closest in score out of the three of us um but i mean the the fi- the finale of this game was incredible i don't know if I've ever seen or even heard about another game like this one, what about you? There's never been a football game that's ended quite like this one. I mean, there's been, there's been crazy, crazy finishes. There was a, uh, uh, and most of them happened in college. There was the, the block field goal by Auburn to beat Alabama. Right. Um, there was the nine overtime game. I don't remember who did that. I think that was like I, Texas A&M and like LSU or something. It, it, it was like last year or two years ago, but that, I mean, I mean it was most of, most of these crazy games are coming in college. We haven't uh-huh. seen anything quite like that. I mean, we've had some good games. You had the Patrick Mahomes has now been involved in three classics. Oh yeah. Three legitimate classics in his career. You obviously have the, uh, the, the Rams game in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the Patriots game uh, also in 2018, the AFC championship. And now this one. I don't know uh, if there's you got you got to throw in the Texans uh down 24-0. You can I, you can say the comeback was classic and historic but the game itself didn't go down to the wire the way they No, it, it did not. The way you classify classic games. Uh but I think that, personally I think I've seen that on Twitter a few other places those were the those were the three classic games that most people pretty mm-hmm. much agreed upon. I think yeah. you could probably put the Titans AFC championship game in there. If you wanted to throw in a fourth, I think that's probably the closest to the next yep. one you'll get in there for a full classic game. Those were a crazy two games to be at. <laughs> nuts. They were nuts. Uh, what, what are your takeaways from this game so far, Caleb? Man, I, I, a lot of respect to the defense in this one that they, they're not getting any praise because of what the offense did. Um, and then also just special teams in general, Harrison Butker uh, redeemed himself with that last kick. Um, but, but the defense, I mean, they, they did what they had to do. I, I, 
Melvin Ingram, if you watched Melvin Ingram in that game at all, I mean, overshadowed. It's overshadowed by what Josh Allen did because Josh Allen's an animal and he's just he just makes plays like that. But man, Melvin Ingram just he disrupted him all freaking night, and Josh Allen was forced to go make those plays. Um, and I, I he probably missed a few uh, opportunities because of because of Melvin Ingram being in his face. Um, Gabriel Davis hat hats off to Gabriel Davis for doing something nobody's ever done before. Probably won't be remembered much because they didn't win the game. Um, thankful for that, that that didn't have to be on us as well as the Jamar chase game this year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but wow, Patrick Mahomes, there's just, you, you have, you have guys like Josh Allen in the league. You guys have guys like Aaron Rodgers and, um, just these these also just a bunch of these stars that are coming up justin herbert josh allen uh lamar jackson all these guys none of them are patrick mahomes it's it's patrick mahomes and everybody else that's really what it is there's no other quarterback in the league in your mind at this point in time that could lead a comeback tying field goal to send it send it into overtime in 13 seconds there is two guys that I probably think could do it, and they're both over 35 years old. It's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And it would I be would, very, it would I think like they do it five times out of ten, maybe. I would I would say yes to Aaron Rodgers. I would say no to Tom Brady and Tom both Brady of those and guys, Gronk. <laughs> I, I could I could give you that today's Tom Brady and Gronk, not a shot in my mind. They're they're just they're both just a yeah, little bit too old. Right I don't now. think I don't think Gronk is fast enough to get to the point of where like Kelsey, like if we're putting them in the same scenario, I don't think Gronk Gronk can make it into field goal range and get down and call a timeout with three seconds with with one second left to go. I think he's just a little bit too slow. It would have either been outside of field goal range or I don't even know if I, I don't think he would have been able to cross that line. Um, but I do agree. I think. You put the you put Tom Brady in the situation that he's in, not currently because he's out Chris Godwin, but you give him Chris Godwin, A B, Gronk, Tom, uh, Mike Evans. I think I think you're right. He can do that. You put Aaron Rodgers in a different situation where his number where his only receiver is Devontae Adams. I think he has a shot to do it when he's got a little bit more help. But I I would agree that those are probably the and, only other two that even have a remote and, possibility. Of doing and I say those two because they're both extremely talented. And then also just the brain on those guys and the experience that they possess is astronomically more than most guys in the league. And like, like a Russell Wilson has been good enough to do it, but I just don't know if the experience is there to do that. Josh Allen, I would say maybe could do it. Just, I just don't know if he can hold himself under that uh, kind of pressure and that just extreme mind boggling, like time crunch. And to, to have those two guys and Patrick Mahomes be the only three people I can think to do it. And it's because the other two guys have the experience and the composure to do that. That's astronomical, like company to be in. Well, then that leads me to my next question. Cause we go back and like, if we watch this in real time, we have no idea that Patrick Mahomes is telling Kelsey to run his own route. We have mm-hmm. no idea that Kelsey is on the sideline telling Tyreek 
a, a certain route to do because of what they've seen the defense, uh, the packages that they're in. So we, we can only see this in hindsight. And, and honestly, I'm not sure if we've ever seen this before. And that's, that's part of my question to you is we, we see the film back and you can hear Travis Kelsey on the sideline with Tyreek. And he says, run this certain route uh, on this next play, make sure to stay behind me. I'm going to block for you and we're going to get the yardage. And then immediately after that, Tyreek is, or Travis is walking kind of back to the huddle and, and he goes, Hey, um, watch the seam. If it, as soon as we line up, like we've already, you've already called the play, watch this seam. If you want me to do it, just yell at me. And they line up and he tells Travis to run the seam. He says, do it, Kelsey, Mm -hmm. do it, do it. And then Kelsey runs the seam. It's absolutely wide open. It's a busted coverage. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Is there, I don't think we have the film to review it, but do you think number one, that there is any other time in the league's history that teams have been so versatile in being able to make uh, these types of options in these types of games. And then um, like how impactful is that? on today's age of the NFL? I feel like in history, I don't know how far it goes back that teams would even accept that that could happen. Like, I, I just don't know. Like, I feel like in the 90s. I think Brett Favre eight, is probably, like, I feel like, the most recent era uh, of doing that. Brett Favre, Peyton Manning. I feel, like it, I feel like in the 90s or 80s, unless you had, like, a Dan Marino who was just that creative and inventive – like, I don't know if teams would go out there with that kind of option. And the head coach just kind of had power over everything there and didn't give that kind of freedom and creativity to the game. Um, unless you had like a Dan Moreno, a Brett Favre. Uh, and then I think recently uh, in his younger days, even like early 2000s, Peyton Manning, uh, guys like that. Nowadays, I think we're seeing it a lot more, but Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are doing it at a, unbelievable uh rate I, I i don't nobody's ever done it like this team i don't think I, I i would agree i know we can go back and we can watch film and and um the the cool thing about watching peyton when he was in indianapolis is he taught the offensive line uh and and some of the receivers how to speak uh gaelic and and they would he would call um he, he would call certain pressures uh certain blocking formations and certain route and certain routes in Gaelic. Um, but I don't think I've ever heard of a receiver calling their own route. Yeah. Which we've, we've heard about earlier this season, but to see it in, in this big, this big of a game and be able to catch it on, on film and, and it, microphones is, is astronomical. It makes you really appreciate how good and how smart Travis Kelsey is. He's, he's literally a coach on the field and, Patrick Mahomes is a coach on the field. Um, you could almost even say that Tyreek is kind of a coach on the field uh, with wide receivers, uh, but more so with Travis and, and Mahomes. And just having those guys on the field is is just amazing. And I I, I bet uh, there's a couple guys on that O line. They're also pretty damn smart and making some of those calls. I know Joe oh, Tooney is a definitely Tooney wonderful person to have on that O line. Um, and especially in the defense, we got a couple coaches on the field there. Hitchens is really good at that, that type of thing. Uh, Tyron Matthew. So easily we, we uh, just got some real good, smart guys on our team that are, are making these, these things happen on the field. 
Yeah. And er earlier this week, we did hear uh, Dave Tube go to the go to the press conference and say, you know, we've been working with Tyreek Hill back in back at, uh, at return minute punt return. Um, Cause anything, anything can happen. Uh, number one, if we need him to go back there, uh, but number, you know, just as, as a escape man, but number two, Hey, if we need a morale boost, if we need some good yardage and then sure enough, we see him and, and he comes out the one time and it was, it was a pretty good return. I, I, I the way the blocking was set up, I was sure he wasn't going to return it, but then it gets yeah. called back we get a, we get a redo. And I'm like, Oh man, they're, they're probably going to pull out Tyreek. I didn't think that, that yeah, I didn't they think would put again. out, there's no way that they're going to put Tyreek out there. They just wanted to catch him off guard and sure as shit, Dave tube leaves him out on the field. And I'm going, Oh man, like we're going to see this thing get returned. That's my first thought. I looked over at my wife and I said, I'm cowering behind the couch at this point. Cause I'm, I'm starting to get nervous. I look over to my wife and I oh, say, yeah. this is, this is getting housed. And he gets what twenty yards away from doing it. I think we mm -hmm. ended up kicking a field goal on on, on that drive. But yep. what did we, you think about Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? Well, first off, I want I want to go over the, the three call play play calls following that. Oh, it was awful. Absolutely. We handed the ball off. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the in the in the NFL currently, handed the ball off twice and lined up at wide receiver. Andy Reid, I I swear if Patrick Mahomes didn't do what he did, I he would probably, I'd probably be, be no, I mean do what he did later in the game and won this game. I would probably be coming on this podcast calling for your head, either retire <laughs> or get fired because that almost cost us the whole freaking game, not scoring a touchdown right there. Um, it wasn't pretty. The balls on T Dave Tobe though. Um. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty easy call when you're Dave Tobe, though. Like, yeah, okay, let's put the best return men in the league I, right now back I, there. I love Tyreek back there, and I, I some people get say they get why he's not back there, but I, I really don't because it's special teams with him out there is even if we did it once to two times a game, having him back there changes the whole like. Like the momentum almost every single time shifts towards the Chiefs when when Tyree kills out there. Even if he even if he doesn't break a big one, it he he always looks like he's gonna break a big one and it scares the shit out of the other team. I don't know. I, I think we should do it a lot more. Um I don't I don't get the whole uh he's gonna be tired, he's gonna he might get hurt, blah blah blah. I, I say use your damn players, and Tyree Kill is the scariest punt returner to ever touch the field, at, not named Devin Hester. Yeah, I was going to say, give respect to Devin. Um, I, I would say t a couple different things on that one. Number one, uh, yes, I do agree that Tyreek is, is probably the second best punt returner to ever do it. Put him over Dante Hall, put him over or second to Devin Hester. I don't think there's anybody else out there. He's better than Cordell Patterson. Um, and, and if you go back at the film and you look um, at, at Tyreek's early career when he was specifically a, a return specialist and, and even now, I think th that special teams unit actually blocks completely different and a lot better when Tyreek mm -hmm. is on the field versus Play when McColl, Hughes, Byron, you name it. You get Players those guys back there, they block completely different to when Tyron's on the field. I mean, player, 
players get excited, man. They 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 see Terry kill back there, and they're like, "This if I just get my one block, and my my boy over it's, here it's gets housed. his one block, that's it. It's getting housed. It's going, and we're we're celebrating this shit." So Terry back <laughs> there, it just changes the whole mindset of the game, and I, I think that it should be at least once to twice a game that we put him back I- there. As much as I would like to see it, I think there, there's another point that has to be brought up because when you when you go back and you look at it, you don't think about it in the moment until you start looking at special teams and when players are going out for rest and whatnot. When we get into the second half of the games, in the first half, Tyreek barely, he, he never comes out unless he runs a super deep route and needs uh, one snap to get back into it. But you start looking into the second half, uh, mainly at the end of the third quarter and it all through the fourth, Tyreek does actually start missing some snaps. He starts to miss some second downs. I've seen him miss some third downs even <clears throat> and, and, and miss, some, miss some big opportunities to get out there. Now, obviously, we have Pat, so we don't really have to worry about Tyreek not being on the field, but the, the offense is much more limited without him on the field than it is with him on the field. And, and if we get into the later half of the games and we're already seeing Tyreek have to come out for multiple plays, sometimes in, in the same drive, um, if we start to put him back at punt return, eat, this is minus them kicking it too far where, where uh, it goes out of bounds or it's, a, it's an awful punt or um, it's a fair catch. Uh, even if he gets to return one to two, I, you're still looking at energy expended and then he's actually having to sit out the first play of the drive and potentially the second play of the drive instead of being in for the first three plays of the drive. I think if it should definitely be played situationally, I, I would agree but, with that. But I think we need to definitely be more lenient on those situations. I, I, I would agree. I think we should definitely utilize him more back there. Um, we, we did mention a little bit of the defense there at, at the beginning. Um, there's one guy that needs a big, big shout out because he has been instrumental to this defense. Um, from day one and he's a rookie and it doesn't make any sense how mm-hmm. good he is that's nick bolton you all know this he nick played beast. an instrumental an instrumental part in in sunday night's game and obviously tyron was out the defense struggled without him so anybody who says we don't need to retire resign tyron and i know there's a few of you out there uh because i've talked to you uh, it's the the dumbest argument i've ever heard pay the man the 18 million get him yeah, back there him and fires Steve Spagnolo. Pay him. Uh, another guy that definitely deserves a shout out. Uh, had a uh, tough start to the season, actually. Um, and we were wondering if the move was worth it. But Jaron Reed had a fantastic game, just bringing the pressure right up the middle. And that's, that is the worst thing for a quarterback like Josh Allen, to have pressure right up the middle. That is the best, oh. best thing to do against those guys. I would agree. And so we, we do know that Jaron Reed had his best ever season in Seattle alongside the likes of Frank Clark. Yep. Now, when we put Chris Jones on the outside, that defensive line was doing absolutely nothing. We've covered that a million and a half times. And so is everybody else. We trade for Melvin Ingram. He moves to the outside. Chris Jones plays a majority of his snaps on the inside Uh right next to Jaron Reed. Frank Clark starts working. Uh, I, I think his work ethic moved forward i i his his intensity stepped up in Mm -hmm. every single moment jaron reed i i feel like he was always his work ethic was always top notch 
it just wasn't playing for him. And now we're starting to see this defensive line really click as we go mm-hmm. into as we go into the later rounds of the postseason. We we did take a look at the cap space. I won't get too much into it, but right now, looking at 2022, we've got 20-ish million sitting around in cap space. There's two moves that we can make. Number one, we need to move off Hitchens. Uh, that frees up nearly 10 million. And if we move off of Frank Clark, that's uh, roughly over $21 million or or thereabouts. So that, that frees up 30. Do you see Kansas City, with the way that Frank Clark has been playing, um, and the way that Jaron Reed have been playing, do you see this team, Melvin Gordon's already going to, or Melvin Ingram's already going to come back. Do you see the Chiefs bring back or keep Frank Clark and bring back Jaron Reed? I think that this next game or two is actually going to be a big, big uh, part of that decision. Um, And I foresee the, that, that tandem having a big part in these next two games, the way they've been playing and just the way that we've seen Frank Clark play in uh, both, both postseasons that we've made to the Super Bowl. Um, I think that we do keep Frank Clark on. Um, I'm not so sure about Jaron Reed. Uh, Jaron Reed was a great piece, but if we're having to make the decision between Jaron Reed and Melvin Ingram, I think that Melvin Ingram is going to be the guy that we give the bag to. You know, and with Melvin Ingram's age, I don't think, uh, to, to be fair, I don't think we're giving either one of the players the bag to stay. Jaron Reed's either going to have to stick around and want to be an uh, integral part, but a role piece more so than than a yeah. key factor um, that, than anything, or he's going to have to move on and hope that somebody else gives him the bag. I don't think anybody else is going to be looking to give Jaron Reed the bag based on a postseason performance versus yeah. what he did in the in the regular season mm-hmm. um there was one guy that i continue to call out to um and, and and to be fair he played very poorly um but he usually plays much better as long as tyron's in the game to to help with the coverage mike hughes was inexcusably awful inexcusably he was, he awful. Was pretty bad in in the later part of the game he gets absolutely head bobbled by by uh, Gabriel Davis, who goes into the end zone for a touchdown, we thought it was over 13 seconds left. Um, wh- what's going on? I mean, he was a former first round pick. Um, he hasn't been all that great in, in the defense so far. He's been he's been amazing. He's been a huge revolutionary portion to our to our um, special teams uh, since coming into the special teams unit. Um, what, what do you make of Mike Hughes and do you expect us to, to continue to use him, uh, as much as we have, uh, in the next one, two, two games? Um, I think Mike Hughes is definitely going to still be a role type player. Um, but I, I really don't want to see him out in, in single coverage like that again, uh, after seeing what Gabriel Davis to him did to him. Granted, that was an amazing route, and Gabriel Davis having a the game of his life. He's um, a he's an amazing player. That's a that's a guy that was little used due to Emmanuel Sanders being on that team. I think you're going to see Gabriel Davis have an amazing third season uh, come next year when Emmanuel Sanders is no longer a part of that Buffalo Bills organization. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I think I I, I want to see him in some like role type situations. Uh, like I think where he fits into this team is learning 
kind of that slot kind of nickelback type as a position. And I think that's how he fits in hit into this team in the future. If he wants to be in the actual defense. Um, but other than that, I, I, I see us going out and if this Damon Arnett thing kind of works out, we'll see what happens there. Um, he's probably going to lose all those snaps to him. Um, Jerry Sneed and Ward, uh, barring health, uh, with them, I think they're going to be taking more, most of those snaps, but I don't see us moving forward with him in the future as a big part of the defense, uh, unless he learns how to play that nickelback kind of role. I, I would agree. And I think there's, I think there's another guy that's on this Chiefs defense that's uh, little utilized and, and um, Spags alluded to it earlier in the season based upon his work ethic. It's Mr. DeAndre Baker, who we brought in um, last uh-huh. season, broke his uh, femur, if I remember correctly, uh, came back very quickly, very strong, but uh, is continuously talked about, about uh, how poor his effort is in practice, but has stated that he is a game player, not a practice player. A little bit of shot to, to Allen Iverson uh, talking about practice. Uh, but I, I, he, he didn't get that many snaps uh, yesterday and he hasn't had too many snaps going forward. I would honestly like to see him and Hughes split 50-50, if not see a little bit more of uh, DeAndre Baker instead of Hughes. I've just seen too much of Hughes. I'm not, I'm not impressed with the athleticism nor the uh, football IQ or acumen that he has. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, we'll move on into the, the latest portion of this. We get down, Gabriel Davis has had his, had his touchdown. Uh, and this is a couple questions coming up from, um, uh, goodness gracious. Rock Chuck AJ. Rock Chuck at Rock Chuck Jayhawk or Rock Chuck AJ. Rock Chuck on, AJ. Yep. Yeah. At Rock Chuck J. <laughs> AJ. 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 Goodness gracious. Uh, on Twitter, he did hit us up with his mailbag questions. So if you have any, make sure to hit us up on Twitter, uh, at the show at TLCFP or any one of our Twitters, uh, and let us know what you want to include in the show. But, uh, rock chalk, AJ asked a question about what, what do you think was possibly going on in the minds of the coaches, um, as they go in with 13 seconds left and the kicker decides to kick it out of the back of the end zone. So with that. I honestly agree with the decision to kick it deep. You give Patrick Mahomes only his 13 seconds to get to probably at, you'd at least want to get to like the 45 ish um, to, to even have a chance at a field goal, um, which is nearly impossible. And we, we did, we haven't really seen that in the history of the game, <clears throat> but I, I agree with it because if you squib it and, and a cheese player, like it's just too risky that the talent on our kickoff team is too good. Uh, it would take four seconds to get that back to the 50 on a good, on a good bounce for us. Um, also, if you squib it too hard and it bounces out of bounds, there's no time off the clock. You get it at the 40. And that is, I mean, with Patrick Holmes, that might be game over, <laughs> it, which it was anyways. Um, I agree with, uh, kicking it deep and making them dry the length of the field to, to get that far. Um, and in just 13 seconds, I, I just, I think they were unlucky with some coverages and Patrick Mahomes doing what he does. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't know if there's a wrong decision in either one of those moments. 
I think the better decision is to kick it out out of bounds of the end zone um, for, for the touchback. You're putting Patrick Mahomes on the 25. We've never seen it in the history of the NFL for somebody to be able to go the, the distance that they did in uh, 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Patrick Mahomes went from the 25 to inside the 45 in mm-hmm. 10 seconds. Wow. Now, if there's any quarterback in the league that can do it, there's nobody else. There's nobody. I'm not trusting Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell, Tom Brady. I'm not trusting any other quarterback in the league to be able to do that. And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't I, – I, you could have asked me that question when the kickoff happened. I did not think that Patrick Mahomes was going to be able to do it. I had faith, but I was not getting my hopes up. because It was grim. It was grim. It was grim. Um, and then Patrick Mahomes came out as Bobby Yaga. I mean, I, I like that nickname a little bit more than the Grim Reaper. Uh, but I, I also agree. I mean, I, I don't think it's also the wrong decision to squib it there. Now, if it goes out of bounds, you, you've got that question to play. At the same point, like Caleb, you alluded to, if Byron Pringle picks that ball up and let's just say it bounced to the 25 uh-huh. and he was able to get that with momentum. He's getting that 15 yards in four seconds at least. He's getting no less than from the 25 to the 35 in four seconds. No less, no less, if not more. Now that, that goes to the question, well, then you can only run one play instead of three. Cause we did get to run three plays inside that, that 10 seconds, which is astronomical. I, I we've never seen that before either. There's many things in that 13 seconds that just don't make any sense at all. Um, I just don't think there's, I, I don't think there's a wrong. I think what they did was probably the most correct decision. Um, given given what you have to work with against this entire chiefs team uh rock uh rock truck aj also asked the question and this is what many people are talking about over the last two days is the overtime rules what are your thoughts before i get into the statistics on these overtime rules caleb um so back in 2018 i gotta bring up the patriots chiefs game here where came to a coin toss kind of felt like whoever won the coin toss was going to go score a touchdown ultimately that's what happened brady won the coin toss and he went to the super bowl and as a chiefs fan that hurt a lot because you should have i mean that's that's what it came down to was a coin toss but over after after debating it and debating it after this game I don't know I feel like you're given so many chances during regulation to not let it go to overtime um the Bills played the ball extremely extremely well at the end um their time management was almost to perfection but I I feel like if you can't get it done in regulation you still have a defense that's fielding during overtime. You got to stop them. You got to make a stop. You got to go out there and make a stop. You still have a chance. It's not like the game's over. Like it's still so difficult to go down and score a touchdown. The bills had the best defense in the NFL and they let the chiefs drive like 40 yards in two plays in under 10 seconds 
to kick a field goal to make it go into overtime. And then that defense proceeded to give up six points in overtime on the opening drive. I would agree. Generally, <laughs> I think, uh, I think that, I think, uh, you know, obviously you do have multiple sides of the ball to play uh, before I get into these statistics. Uh, one point that needs to be made, Caleb, do you believe that the offensive side of the ball has an advantage over the defensive side of the ball based upon rules and penalties? Absolutely. So you would agree that it would be incorrect for uh, the rules are incorrect in, in the way that they're set up based upon the defense has a certain way that they have to, to tackle uh, an offensive ball carrier, meaning the offensive ball carrier, carrier can duck his head and, and absorb a hit through the crown of his helmet while the defensive player has to absorb the hit with his chest and he can no longer um, provide a strategical hit to get the, the player down without allowing him to take on additional yardage. I definitely think there's some double standards that defensive players have to put up with and that is definitely not fair. Perfect. So with that being said, we are now playing a 17-game regular season. That's an extra game there. We're also playing one extra game in the playoffs, so we've added two games. The NFL is also talking about bringing on a third. So anybody who has uh, any sort of argument about the owners or the NFL doesn't doesn't want to injure the assets that are on the field is completely incorrect. They've already added two games. They're talking about adding an 18th game to the regular season. Um, that that's just astronomical in my mind. And you can no longer say that, that they care about the health and the well-being of the players on the field, but we'll go into the statistics here for the overtime coin tosses from 74 to 2003. This is when uh, the, the rules, the rules of overtime came in in 74, uh, before the rule changes in 2004, uh, from 74 to 03, there were 325 overtime games. Um, and these were the results. Both teams had possessions 72.3% of the time. The team that had won the coin toss uh, had, had won the game 52% of the time. The team that had lost the coin toss had won 43.4% of the time. 68.6% of the games were decided by a field goal. That was before mm-hmm. um, the, the new rules the come in place, rules. obviously. Uh, 86 of the games uh, or 26 and a half percent of the games were decided by a touchdown. Uh, one game was decided by a safety, which is well under half a percentage. And then there were uh, just over four and a half percent ended in ties. Um, since 74 to 03, about 60% of the time, if you won the coin toss, again, those were just on opening drives, the, the statistics given before. If you won the coin toss, period, you had a 60% chance to win the game. That was before the, the changes in the rules. You then move on to uh, 2010 when there were rule changes uh, for, the, for the regular season. Uh, and then again in 2012, um, under this new set of rules, obviously that's score a touchdown to win. Uh, if you score a field goal, then the other team gets a try. Yep. Uh, teams that have won that have possessed the ball first, that's fat, flat, even 50%. Of those wins, 23 were on an opening drive touchdown. So 39% of the teams won on the first possession and 19 and a half won the game overall. Uh, then uh, 41% of the teams that possess the ball second one 
uh, and there is a five, uh, six percent uh, in ties. So, so since 2010, 2012, when the rule changes went in to effect, it's obviously a, a smaller sample size, but they do state that in the regular season, again, these are all regular season. These are not, these are not postseason stats. The regular season states that everything is 50, 50. And I would agree with these numbers that in the regular season, it does not need to change, but there's one big thing that everybody's missing. It's the postseason numbers. Now, everybody has seen these numbers so far. ESPN put them out in their own article. Own article. There have been 11 playoff games in the history of the NFL that went into overtime. In those 11 games, the team who has won the coin toss has won it at a 90.9% clip rate. That's wow. 10 and 1. 10, of 10 and yep. 1. Now, one thing that most analysts and pundits are saying is that that loss should actually be expunged from that record. That one loss, if you remember, uh, I believe it was 2018 or so, that was the Saints versus the Rams game in the Superdome when um, the big, just the, I don't know egregious how you miss PI. it. It was the egregious pass interference on the defense. He hit the wide receiver 10 yards before the ball even got there. It was barely out of Drew Brees' hands before he already hit the receiver. It was so bad, in fact, that the NFL decided to make pass interferences reviewable and challengeable, in which case the NFL refs said, no, you're not going to do that. They botched the whole thing, and then they finally got rid of it. Uh, I thought it was a good rule implementation, and, and then the, uh, the refs decided to pussyfoot around the whole thing, and you can't really do anything about that when people don't want to do their jobs correctly. But if you expunge that one, let's just go ahead and expunge that one record like everybody else. That's seven and 10. That's seven, seven teams out of the 10 that won at 10 and 0, seven of them won on their first possession. That's 70%. So you have now a 100% out of those, out of that 10 games, you have a 100% chance to win if you win the coin toss. If you win the coin toss, you now have a 70% chance to win the game. With those facts in mind, to say that the regular season, the other thing to think about here is who are the teams, Caleb, I want to ask you this question. Who are the teams in the regular season that most often play overtime games? Ooh, uh, Not like a specific know. team, just like a range of teams. Like bad teams. Exactly. You've got, let's take a look at this year for the example. Lions. Lions, Steelers, uh, like I think the I think the Ravens played in a couple. The Raiders played in a couple. Like not top crop teams mm -hmm. until you get to Kansas City and Los Angeles Chargers. Like that's one of the few OT, OT games that we had during the regular season mm -hmm. where it was crop top teams. So if you're telling me that you get into the into the regular season and you have two bad teams going to the playoffs or into the overtime, I'm going to expect them to probably go into overtime and it be fairly fair. Neither one yeah. of them are typically like the Lions and the Steelers. They ended up tying. I'm not expecting either one of them to win in overtime uh, to on the first drive. But you yeah. get into the postseason. It's where, these high-powered offenses that have uh, a rule advantage over the defense. Exactly. And, and on top of that, you are now playing in game number 19, 20. Uh -huh. 20 well like whatever you are now at the end of the season when you have been playing for 19 to 20 weeks your body is tired 
I'm not expecting your uh, your defense to go out there and be able to stop anyone. And to be honest, if if the Bills had won this coin toss, Patrick Mahomes is going to Turks and Caicos. He's going to the Maldives. He's going somewhere else. He's not in the AFC Championship. We have lost this game. So with that being said, at 10 and 1, 10 and 0, however you want to see it. If you want to include the Saints, don't include the Saints. If you want to include the Saints, guess what? That's a 63.6% chance to win if on your first drive. Do you think do you think that uh, uh, having a 37% chance to win, actually, excuse me, that is a 36.7% chance to win. Not fair. even to win, just to have the game go past that first possession. <laughs> a 30 a 36 point uh, is 36.4. It's 36.4% chance to even touch the ball to extend the game. Yeah. Is that fair? It's not fair. Like if you're if you're going to a casino and you're telling me that I have a 36.4% chance to 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 hit black or whatever. Like I'm probably going to take those odds. But this isn't a casino. This is supposed to be a fair 50-50 game when given by the rules. If it's yeah. given by the rules. Now, it's not 50-50 when you get out on the field because Patrick Mahomes is better than Jared Goff if they line up against the Lions. We should blow them out every time because the team is better. But the rules are supposed to be an even playing field. Yep. And the overtime rules are not. I would They're agree. not. They're not. It, leave them, Again, leave them for the, for the regular season. I don't mind. That. That's fine. When it comes down to win and you're in, lose and you're out, You've got to make sure that it's a 50-50 shot. I don't know what those rules look like. Do a college rules and back them up to the 45. Make them play the whole quarter. I don't know what it is, but there's got to be a there's there's got to be a different set of rules when you go into the playoffs and it's winning your end, losing your out. I think a good uh, a good set of rules would be in overtime. If you score a touchdown then you have to go for two. I, I think I think no field goals and you go have to go for two, and it's the same as what it is now, uh, except both teams get the ball. Both so that, teams I'm, possess the ball, and like they, if, if the team scores on the first possession and they score six points, then the other team has a chance to go down. If they only score six points, then you get a second set of drives, um, but you still play it in like a timely manner. Um, and if you're tied at the end of the period, you play another period in the, in, in, in the playoffs. And that's what the playoffs are for. If no, if neither team scores or if both teams score a field goal, you just go until the next person scores. So if yep. you end up in five overtimes and neither team has scored, you've ended up in five overtimes and you continue to play until it's over. Um, I, I would agree that there's a couple different ways to do it. I would like them to, to do college rules, back them up to the 45 that leads for, for a long field goal. Um, yep. For, for professional kickers, and that leads for, for a lot of space for these quarterbacks. Um, everybody gets a fair shot at it. You could make it, like you were talking about, go to eight. If you score eight points, the game is over. But that's where, that's where the statistics come in, is if you have to go for two, um, your chances of winning that game actually drastically go down to 50%. So if you score the touchdown and you've got a 70% chance to win the game, based on only scoring a touchdown, you've now scored your touchdown and you need a two-point conversion. Again, the statistics drop down to 50%. I also wouldn't be opposed to just making them play the full quarter. Whether you have a kickoff, no kickoff, put the ball in 25, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'd be fine play with that the, too. 
play the full quarter, man. Whoever wins at the end of the full quarter wins. And if it's still tied, continue to go. Yep. Any, any other last thoughts on this game before we move into the rest of the week there, Caleb? Nothing here. Awesome. Well, we did have what was a lackluster wildcard weekend turned into the best divisional round weekend we've ever seen impossible divisional round week i mean we have never seen games like this out of the four games every single game came down to the last minute if not overtime out of the three other games outside of the chiefs bills game the away team won on a field goal a last second field goal i'm pretty sure all four games included a lead change on the last play it did pretty i'm pretty pretty certain of that every single one of them because every single away team won the game based on a field goal while they were already down what do you think of this uh i mean i completely expected the Bengals to win this game i didn't expect it to be close we all did uh i think we all had the Bengals winning this game the titans just didn't seem good what did what did you think of derrick henry getting out there with a metal plate in his foot yeah, I don't know. He did not look as explosive as he as he once has. Uh, Deontay Foreman played pretty well. Uh, he, he did really good in that game. Uh, but Deontay Foreman is not a prime Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry was not playing like his midseason self, which I don't think we really expected him to. Hopefully he gets healthy in the offseason and we can see him uh, back doing what he does next season. But um, I think the for, Titans really screwed up there. If, I think if they rushed him back for sure there for a minute. I mean, even if they didn't rush him back, play him a little bit. Don't don't give him twenty flipping carries. Yeah. Twenty carries for sixty two yards. That's three point one for Derrick Henry. While you had De- Deontay Foreman or Orman, yeah, Foreman, Foreman. Uh, throughout the the regular season when he played was one of the best backs in the league. Uh huh. One of the best backs in the league. You put him in in this game, he only had four carries. Guess how many yards he had? 66. 60, 16 and a half yards a carry. Yep. Why are you Why are you going down on Derrick Henry when that's his – it's his mm-hmm. first game back. It's the playoffs, and you have a guy who's one of the best running backs in the league for this season. Putting the yep. game in Ryan Tannehill's hand to let him throw three interceptions, like I could have told you that was going to happen. Mike Rabel needs to be arrested for running back abuse. <laughs> and he should be up for coach of the year at the same time for getting him to the divisional <laughs> round and the number one seed for having over 100 active players. They broke that record for most active players on their roster in yep. like week 14. Yep. Crazy. Um, what, what do you make of, of Joe Burrow being in his second year, uh, Jamar Chase being in his first year, this offensive line being as absolutely god awful as it is, as Joe Burrow took nine sacks for seventy yards, making oh. the AFC Championship. Man, uh, props to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the rest of that offense. Uh, T. Higgins been a big part of the the offense as well recently. I, I am a big, big fan of Joe Burrow. Uh, obviously, I am a little bit of an LSU fan. Uh, Joe Burrow is just an animal. And he, I think he's going to be around for a long, long time. We might see him in a few more AFC Championship games, especially if they get an offensive lineup for him. Uh, Jamar I was gonna Chase. Say, that's going to be the that's going to be the big ticker right there because mm-hmm. I strong-heartedly yeah. believe that this Bengals franchise is going to screw the pooch and they're going to end up with Andrew Luck. I really hope not because I love Joe Burrow and I want to see him have a long, healthy career. Uh, 
Jamar Chase is just a freak of nature. He he reminds me of Randy Moss a little bit. Uh, obviously, he, he's got to get a little less streaky. Um, of course, it is his rookie year, so some of that can be excused a little bit. Um, but he, he does have some little hot streaks and cold streaks. But Jamar Chase overall, I think he's going to be he's going to be one that's going to be around for a while uh, in this. He, he came up in this surge of wide receivers that have come out in the last two to three years. Um, but he's, he's going to be up there with the likes of Jamar Jefferson, um, DK Metcalf and guys like that. And that this league is going to get scary with wide receivers here pretty soon. Yeah. I I'm a little bit scared after having played these guys uh, already and knowing what they're capable of. Uh, Joe Burrow's really good. He's going to be around. Mm-hmm. in a league for the foreseeable future, especially if this, uh, if that front office can, can get a little bit of protection around him. Now this next game was one that you had called Caleb out of, out of all three of us, you were the only one to call it San Francisco. Uh, uh, obliteration. I don't I, like the score doesn't tell the tape of the game, but green Bay was never really in it. They couldn't get off the ground. San Francisco wins 13 to 10. It was seven, nothing at half for green Bay. It was an ugly, awful game. Jimmy Garoppolo deserves to not be a quarterback in this league, uh, especially (laughs) on this team. I don't care what anybody says. Um, Aaron Rodgers, to me, and I've been saying this all season is done in green Bay. That's it. That's it. He came out in a, in a, in a interview today. I believe it was on the McAfee show or wherever, uh, but he said, you know, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, people's lives riding on the decision that I make and I'll make it sooner or later. That, that to me already sounds like he's in talks of going somewhere else. He'll yeah. make a decision fairly soon, uh, after the end of the season, it'll be before draft day so that he can tell the team what he wants to, yeah. to have brought in on the offensive side. Um, but what did, what did you make of this game? Um, I watched this game and obviously I, I thought the Niners were going to win. Um, it was crazy because the, the touchdown that they scored was on special teams. They blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown. Um, so Green Bay's defense literally only gave up six points. And, and that's pretty, pretty gnarly for, for how, uh, how good this run game is and also just how explosive the Debo Samuel is and being able to contain him. Uh, George Kittle, even he had uh, some flashes in this game of excellence and they're, they were still only, only held to six points. Um, but man, special teams, you got to win all three phases of the game and Green Bay all season has one, had one of the worst special teams in the league. The worst. And the, the 49ers. Worst. 32nd in special teams the, the entire 49ers season. have been good very good um but it's just a gritty win and a gritty team and i am am not going to give away my pick for for the nfc championship game but i would not count out jimmy g and that run game i i think jimmy g is getting a little bit of a bad bad turn of the eye a little bit i think he i mean he went be, 11 for 19 and i think he can be special when he needs to be <laughs> If he was going to be special when he needed to be, he'd have done it in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. He he, <laughs> he did a little bit. He did a little. Not bit. in the fourth. He when the when the Not moment the needed him when the moment needed him the most, he he cowered. Uh, I'll I'll say this. 
I didn't expect the 49ers to win this. I didn't think that the full team was good enough, but I will say that uh, the Caesars, any sports book you looked at, the FanDuel, DraftKings, I said it last week in the preview show, the Packers had a too close of, of a favorite draw. They were favorited three points in pretty much all of their games um, where they were favorites. It wasn't, it wasn't a large spread there. Somebody knew what they were talking about this entire season. It finally caught up to them. Uh, for our final game to review for this week, it's one that I love the most. Outside of the Chiefs win, Tom Brady gets sent home. Mm-hmm. There's not a person who deserves to be sitting on their couch while teams still play for the Super Bowl than Tom Brady at this point in his career. Yep. The Rams win 30 to 27. And there's not, outside of my obvious, our obvious Chiefs bias, there's not a better quarterback or a better person who plays at that position at any organization who deserves to be this far in the postseason than Matthew Stafford. For all the work that he's put in for a god-awful organization like the Detroit Lions, for getting injured, beat up, battered, and having to play with one receiver, no offensive line, no defense, no special teams, there's not a better player in the league right now who deserves to be in this position he's now the quarterback who has gotten the top two receivers the most receiving yards in a season calvin johnson cooper cup those two have had (laughs) cooper cup took it from calvin i mean there's not he, he went 28 for 38 for 366 and two touchdowns uh cooper cup went off in this game and, ta- you know, I thought it was over. I turned the game off at half. I ended up bringing it back on because the game w- was getting close. Uh, and it was right before the Chiefs kickoff. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and Tom screwed it away. But, man, I I love seeing this Rams team win. Now, I hope they don't go to the Super Bowl and the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl at the same time because I don't want to play two home game Super Bowls for an opposite team in a row. Yeah, uh, that, would what, <laughs> that would so be so unlucky. Awful. That would be awful. <laughs> Uh, did you hear that the Rams were going to restrict tickets to this game to only people that lived in LA? Yeah. And I mean, Tennessee but, did it last week when they played the Bengals, uh, the Chiefs not, should do it. Every single team should be doing this. Look at, look at every other sport that, that there is um, outside of America. Obviously we don't do it for NFL. We don't do it for, for MLB. We don't do it for, for MLS or, or for the NBA, but Look at look at how cricket is done, how how rugby is done. Look at how soccer is done in in other countries, especially in the Premier League in England. They restrict tickets to away fans. Why do they do that? Because they want their own fans there. Number one, if mm-hmm. it's a home game, your fans deserve to be there before any other fans. Yeah. And number two, you don't want your stadium filled up with chants and and loud noises from the opposite side. It can't yeah. be. It, it can no longer be the Chargers playing in the the StubHub Ticket Arena or whatever it's called for for the LA Galaxy. It can no longer they they can't do that anymore. Every team should be doing this for at least the playoffs, if not for every regular season game. Well, I did hear that they uh, had lowered those restrictions after like a few hours of having those up, uh, and maybe they're just giving them a chance uh, before a bunch of them got bought bought got bought up, but. Um, for this Rams Buccaneers game, man, what a game for Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has been amazing. Uh, another guy who has been really good 
Um, Odo Beckham, man. Uh, I mean, we got to say it. Odo Beckham has been good for the Rams uh, recently. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he plays like crap against the 49ers and it's all a fluke and they lose. Uh, but Odo Beckham, to this point, has been a good pickup for the Rams. I, I would agree. I think I think the talent level is still there, and maybe he just needed the hunger. Maybe he needed a little bit of betrayal from from another team because maybe he didn't feel like he was betrayed enough by by the Giants. I'm not really for sure. I'll say this much though: there's not been any receiver who has ever played with Matt Stafford who's been a bum when they play for Matt Stafford. I think that's probably not a bad statement there. But name me a receiver who's done well without it. Uh, yeah, I can't can't tell you because i haven't seen calvin Johnson without him but my my best my, well but he's had plenty of other options that were there mm-hmm. in in detroit that have gone out number one kenny being galladay. kenny galladay yeah now he can't stay healthy but hell he couldn't stay healthy when he was in detroit either so my main point here is that it's possible that obj is as good and as talented as we've seen him play everywhere the only reason he's getting the numbers now is because he's got an amazing quarterback not yep. just not a good not an okay. He has an amazing quarterback. Mm-hmm. One who has amazing. put up season records for wide receivers in yardage in two different places with two different guys. Yeah. Matthew Stafford's an animal. Anything else from this week that you'd like to go over real quick, Caleb? Nothing here. Nothing. Well, it was a wild, wild weekend, and I think we're going to be set up for a fairly good, if not great, AFC and NFC championship weekend. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it can top the divisional round. I sure hope it can. But either way. I, <laughs> I hope I, I hope that Chiefs game is not anywhere close yeah. to what this one <laughs> no, was. No because way. I was about to puke. <laughs> if I had hair, I would have lost it. But and I don't I think have I might hair. be losing it. I <laughs> uh, actually did notice a few more gray hairs in my head today. <laughs> I was going to say, I got a couple in my beard. Uh, well if there's nothing else we will see you guys on Thursday night and Friday morning to preview Chiefs versus Bengals for the fourth consecutive AFC championship in Arrowhead Stadium Kansas City Missouri yes sir and as always go Chiefs go Chiefs